We're a year into COVID now, and there's just been so much bad news, and it's been so difficult for people, more difficult, lonely, and tragic for people who live in long-term care homes, and as well, people who go into hospital now whose families are not allowed to go and visit them, which has been extremely difficult. I had a friend whose father had a heart attack, and it was a severe heart attack, and she she was not allowed to go in and see her dad and, and say goodbye, and and it's, you know, it's not something I think that she'll ever get over. So I thought it was time to talk about a little bit of good news. And I'm talking to Lori Thwaites from Therapeutic Paws of Canada. They train dogs to go into long-term care homes and to hospitals to cheer people up. Hi, Lori. Hi there. How are you? I'm wonderful. Can you tell me a little bit about um, Therapeutic Paws of Canada uh, when it started? And I'm guessing it's across Canada. Yes, it is. Uh, Therapeutic Paws of Canada is also known as TPOC. It's a nonprofit registered charity, and we are a uniform organization. And we provide um, certified therapy dogs and cats to uh, several of the provinces across Canada. Uh, BC, Alberta, Ontario, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, PEI. Our particular branch um, started uh, in 2018, but the whole organization was started in 2002 by a lady named Judy Sauvé. So you've been around um, quite a long time and well, two years in Niagara. And I know that you're one of the biggest chapters in, in the in um, TPOC and you're the team leader here. But I'm yes. really interested in how did you get involved in therapy dogs? Well, basically um, my personal involvement began um, with my dog, Miko. Uh, she was a hundred pound Bernese mountain dog. She was very well-trained. She loved people. And she had a very natural way of uh, making people just want to sit down and cuddle with her like a big teddy bear. I worked with her until I knew she could become a, a volunteer therapy dog. And then she went through several tests to become that. And when, no matter what they threw at her, she seemed to be really, really good at it. And she just went through with flying colors. She really wanted the job. She really did. And she became bomb proof, which meant you could um, work with her with any age, if it was a baby in a, in a stroller or uh, a senior citizen, didn't matter. Unfortunately, my dog has since passed away, and I strongly believe in the program, so therefore I stay on as the team leader here in Niagara Region. I've met some great people, and all the dogs in my program here are like my family. Well, I, you've got a wonderful Facebook page, um, TPOC Niagara, and I was on last night, and I met Bridget, the little, um, uh, not a bull terrier, she, is she a... She's a French bulldog. A French bulldog. She had a long talk about her. Sorry, no, she's an, Eng sorry, she's an English bulldog. English state. bulldog. Okay. So she, she was sitting with her um, owner and she had a long talk about her job as a therapy dog and how much she enjoyed it and a little bit about dad. And it was really quite, quite, quite funny. So um when we talk a little bit about the Facebook page uh, at the end of the interview, just so we can leave people with those thoughts, we can just talk about what people can see when they go on Facebook, because there is some really, really cute stuff that you've had to develop during COVID. But before we go there, 
how do you pick a dog? Cause not every dog qualifies as a good therapy dog. That's correct. Most dogs are terrific pets, but not all are suited for the therapy dog program. In a normal non-COVID uh, time, we would run uh, two evaluations per year uh, for potential candidates to be in our program. Only about 50% of those dogs will actually get through the TPOC program and evaluation to actually become a therapy dog. The key things that we look for are our obedience, like can they sit, can they go down, can they stay, can they leave it? Um, we want to make sure they're not going to be barking or jumping up on people and basically a calm disposition. The dog has to be both social with both the, the uh, other dogs in the program as well as uh, people. Um, to become a member, it's quite an intense program. They have an interview with me or the team leader in their area. And then once that's done, then um, we start doing some uh, reference checks and seeing you know, what kind of person uh, they are because we wanna make sure they're a good fit for our program and we are a good fit for them. We don't train, we just evaluate. And uh, there's two evaluators on site when we do the evaluation and we go through several exercises that simulate what would happen in our nursing homes or hospital visits. When they go through these evaluations, they're done with a group of eight dogs they've never met before. Yeah, that does show that do that dog can get along with anybody. That's right. And then, uh, like I say, if they if they get through the evaluation, which is only maybe maybe 60, 70 percent, then they have to go in and get a, a vulnerable sectors check from the police department. And we start another part of the process, which is called monitored visits. And during that time, they attend with myself, a senior member, uh, our evaluator into an actual facility that we have. And we watch them working one on one in a, a situation that they could have to develop into. So we don't let them go out as soon as they're evaluated, they don't just become a therapy pet, they have to really earn that. And at any time, they can have that status removed from them if we feel they're not suited to the program any longer. And of course, different breeds, right? Because Bridget is a as a Frenchie, and your dog was Bernese mountain dog. So you know, we're talking little to to very large, so it's not breed specific at all. No. When you go into the long-term care homes, especially because hospital visits would be a little bit short-lived with the, with the person who's in hospital, but when you go into a long-term care home, how does it make the people feel? Oh, the people in the uh, nursing homes, they absolutely love us. Uh, when we walk in and sign in, um, uh, they, 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 they usually cluster around us and they do at the hospital too from uh, for us to get from the front door of the hospital to the elevators where we have to go to get to the floors it takes us 20 minutes because people want to see the dogs it doesn't matter if they're visiting a relative right. or if in their hospital themselves they want to see the dogs and it's the same in the nursing home you would be surprised how quickly the people come up in their wheelchairs with their little feet going to try to get to our dogs and I guess um, it's different too because if, if the dog was a service dog the person with the dog would have to say, you know, no, please don't, don't pat the dog. He or she is working and we have to make sure that they're focused on what they're doing. Whereas a therapy dog's job is to be friendly in control, but to be friendly and, and love people. So it's quite a difference. Now the dogs, do they know they're helping people when they, when they go to a, to a, to the care home or to the hospital, how does it make them feel? 
Oh, the dogs, the dogs are fantastic. Um, as soon as you go to put the uh, bandana, they have a TPOC red bandana they put on their around their neck. As soon as you go to put one of those on them, they know it's time to go to work. We all wear bright red shirts and um, it's, it's our formal uniform. So they know they got to get in there and get working. It's funny, we have a gentleman in our program. Um, if we go out to visit uh, and he's taking the dog, the dog is in his uniform, he's in his uniform, no problem. But if we have a meeting where we're supposed to be in our uniforms, but the dogs do not attend, he has to go out into his garage to put his uniform on so the dog doesn't get angry at him for not taking him with him. <laughs> like you know, what? and I'm not surprised about that. Because even as a pet, right, dogs, dogs and and cats, I've never had a cat. Um, I do have a horse. So I do, I do know barn cats. And even barn cats can bond with people, even though generally they're, you know, quite aloof because they've got a job to do. Their job is to chase all the mice away. But dogs in general just love people. The problem is you've got a dog, you know, one of my dogs who um, one of us has taught the dog not to jump up. But the other person, not to name names, but let's just say it's not me, uh, has always, because you think, oh, who cares, right? But she's a standard poodle. So when someone comes in the front door and she wants to do that, that's not safe. And some people are just really scared when this big black dog comes up. But all she wants is love. Yes. Um, yeah, our, dog, our dogs know that they, they have a job and they are very eager to perform it. And you can see it on this, the people's faces as they start to smile and um, the dog is constantly wagging its tail. So no matter what the problem is, those dogs have become the best medicine of all for them. And age isn't a problem because Bridget, I know I keep going back to Bridget, but she was so cute. Uh, Bridget is 13. Tells you yep. She tells you right off the top, okay, I'm 13. So there's no age involved in uh, a dog going to the hospital or, uh, or an LTC. Exactly. Um, we do not test any dogs under a year. We consider them still to right. be. But after that, makes that sense. time, um, our oldest dog um, in our program, Bosco, uh, that's the one who couldn't leave the house with his uniform. Right. His dad. Um, Al had serviced with us for several years and that dog was well over 14 years old. Wow, maybe there's hope for my dog yet. <laughs> Shoot, I mean, my dog, if I actually would put the time in the training, would probably make a really good therapy dog. Now, do you take the same dog to the same um, place? And do do people, uh, or, or would there be maybe more than one dog that might go for visiting and, and people uh, in the LTC or the hospital get to know a particular dog? Uh, yes, we um, we usually try to do that. Uh, for example, in the hospital, we have teams that go usually in normal times uh, every day into different areas. We have the cancer center, the Walker Cancer Center, and we have teams that go every day to visit with the people getting their treatments. Uh, we have teams that go into room to room in pediatrics if they're child tested. We have other teams that go into um, other areas of the hospital, including EMS, where we definitely like to be seen by the um, uh, ambulance drivers. They, they run up to see us every time we're there. But um, in um, the hospital is basically one-on-one -on -one room to room, but we do have a, a department there, mental health, and we take several dogs once a week for a group visit there. And uh, those dogs are done 
every week it's the same dogs. So they get to know the dogs and when the dogs aren't there, they'll go why. And, and it's, it's really nice. Now in a long-term facility, we all have our own long-term facilities we visit. Uh, my dog visited up Upper Canada Lodge quite regularly and Ina Grafton Gage home quite regularly. So they knew her as soon as we walked in the door, they, oh, there's Miko. And, you know, they, they become a, a, a permanent visitor to them. I'm generally more interested in a person's dog than the person if I'm meeting them for the first time. But you know what? Sometimes the person who owns the dog, that that sort of um, first meeting kind of bond happens because they love their dog so much. And then they see you love their dog. And then all of a sudden they love you because some the, the dog can be... Uh, if you have kids, the dog might come second, but the dog can be the most important friend in your life. So talking about the mental health issue, pets, dogs, cats, and as I mentioned, I have a horse. Pets, I think, can be the greatest help to someone who has a mental health issue. And when I was very ill in the, in, the, in the early 90s and I was unable to work for about five years and I lived with my, you know, my family was there for me all the time, um, but I spent a lot of time alone in my apartment and I had a dog. She was a standard poodle and um, she was about five years old at the time and she was the constant in my life and she was never upset at me. She never felt stressed because I was depressed. She just loved me unconditionally. And the great part as well was that because I lived in an apartment, I had to go out three times a day. So even if I didn't feel like going out, I had to go out three times a day. And my belief is everybody should have a pet. But people who are are living with um, a mental illness it's, it's so beneficial. And I think that it's almost like, you know, when you go to the doctor and they say, you need this kind of therapy or you need this kind of medication, it should come with a dog <laughs> or a cat. Yeah, they, the, these animals, any animal will make your world much nicer. It, it just, it brings in um, a type of relaxation to you. It brings a calming effect over you. Um, when a dog is sitting in your lap or lying by your feet, you just think, the world is a better place. And that's, that's what a therapy dog does. It just, it makes you realize, stop and think, you know, the world may be turning upside down right now, but that dog loves me unconditionally. And I appreciate that. And mental health is huge right now. And that's why it's so important for us, even though um, our board of directors has stopped us from visiting right now because of the protection of our um, volunteers and our dogs, um, we still are trying to connect with our people because we know how important our job is to them. The other thing we talked briefly about yesterday as well is that people who are homeless, you'll often see people who are homeless with a dog. And many times I hear people say that person shouldn't have a dog. They don't have enough money to eat. They don't have enough money to, to find a home and dogs are expensive. And um, so I don't want to give them money because of that. But that dog might be the only thing in the world that loves that person. Mm -hmm. 
That that's true. Um, and that's again, the unconditional love. And uh, I I've seen those people on the street and um, not only do I provide maybe a, a sandwich for the person that's out there, but I also usually go and pick up a bag of dog food and give it for the dog because that dog, no matter how insignificant people think that dog is, that dog is important to that person. And, and we need to make sure that that service for that person is available because that's their mental health, having that friend beside them all the time. Did you hear the story about the uh, the gentleman who took his dogs? He actually had, he just lost his apartment and he had two dogs and two cats and he was living in his car. And he just, he, after a couple of weeks, he said, I, I can't have two dogs and two cats. So he took his two dogs to the Lincoln Humane Society and said, I need to leave them with you. And they said, okay, well, we'll, we'll keep the dogs until you're back on your feet. And he kind of said, no, I, I, this is, I can't, I don't think I'll ever be able to, to take my dogs back. And I believe they posted it on Facebook and the community just came alive. And within less than 24 hours, he had some clothing. He had gift cards for food, which is a great idea, right? So he had gift cards for food. He had shoes, um, community care was helping him out. Housing was helping him find an apartment. And all of this just flowed from the community. This was in December. And I think people recognized that we were all going through such a hard time. And so they came to his aid. Once he's housed again, he'll be able to get his dogs back. And that's yeah. a pretty incredible story of, of how people do understand sometimes the value of having a pet. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and that's one thing that we are really focusing on in our program is we are a community program. When the community needs us, we're there. If somebody calls us, like we, we participate in Bell Let's Talk. We participate uh, in uh, Walk for um, Memories, Hike for Hospice. We do several health fairs a year. We do quite a few mental health visits in uh, businesses normally so that they can just have a, a chance to just um, relax, to just let their stress out of their bodies. Um, it's, it's hard work for the dog though. The dog comes home and the dog is exhausted. Can you imagine taking all that in and not getting it in yourself as a dog? You've got to let it go too. So um, the walking is super important after a visit for our dogs because they have to decompress as well. Yeah, it's kind of their downtime. Yes. Uh, that's interesting about the businesses. I'd never thought of that. So is it, you, you might go into an office uh, and well, how does, how does, how does the business decide that it would be great to have the dog come in? Um, well, it's basically their um, human resources person. Uh, one of the biggest ones that we do is Ikea. We go to the Burlington Ikea several times a year when it's really stressful, like uh, Christmas and their peak season, their drops of their cal uh, new catalogs and things. They have us in there and we just are there and we hang out in a room and the, the, the people just come in constantly and see us. Uh, we do uh, at CBC, we've got a virtual one coming up this year because unfortunately we can't go in person. But again, we provide stress relief with our dogs virtually and things like that. That's so, amazing. Yeah, it's, it's great. And uh, everything that we do, um, we, we try our best to let people know that they're loved and our dogs miss them. We miss them, but we want to be there for them in any way we can. Done some pretty unique stuff for, for the people who 
you know, you can't go into these buildings. That's correct. Um, I had to start thinking outside of the box. My team is very important to me. They are my friends and they're my colleagues. And locally here, I wanted to keep us connected. In the beginning of the COVID situation, we couldn't visit. Um, our board of directors said it wasn't safe for us to do so. So nationally, we stopped the program. But then I started coming up with ideas that would keep our homes, hospitals and things like that connected with us. So when Christmas came around, I rewrote the Twas the Night Before Christmas storybook and I illustrated it with all of our dog pictures. So our dogs were sleeping on in the bed with the sugar plums dancing in their head and that kind of thing. And that was a big hit amongst our, our uh, seniors' homes and things like that. Um, we did a countdown to Christmas calendar for them so they would see a new dog every day. Um, currently, we have dog faces on social distancing signs in the hospital and our nursing homes while people are waiting to get tested and to get their vaccines. Um, I provide word searches and uh, crosswords for our members as well as the facilities about dogs and about breed and who visited with them and stuff. Every week I drop off new pictures to our facilities. Um, to show what our dogs are up to. And currently I'm working on these videos that you saw of Bridget. Uh, I posted Bridget's the first one. My dog went up yesterday and uh, there'll be a, a team that's got two dogs going up today. Um, and we are now in the process of doing virtual visits with uh, some of our facilities as well. So um, even our team, we get together on Zoom and we have meetings if, if necessary. We've done a games night. Um, we are also honoring some of the dogs that have passed away during COVID on Zoom and a memorial service. Do so, you have the dogs on Zoom with you at the same time? Uh, some of them do. Some <laughs> of them that have lap dogs, they can put right. them in their lap. Now mine would, would have its head right at my shoulder. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and do the dogs miss it? Oh, absolutely. Um, it's the pictures I get when I asked for, for videos of what their kids are, or the, the kids, what the dogs are doing. Um, I get things they're just lopping there. They, they, they've no ambition anymore. They, but as soon as you put the red thing on and they come on the red bandana on and they come onto the, the screen with a virtual visit or something like their ears are perked up. They're happy. Uh, they're just so excited. They, they miss seeing people. And even though we see them, it's not the same. Yeah. Now, um, I think anybody can enjoy your Facebook page. The, uh, uh, th there's just fun stuff on there and there's information about therapeutic pause. And where, where can we find you on Facebook? Okay. Well, first of all, um, I should tell you about our website. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Yes. TPOC has its own website and it's called tpoc.ca. There you can go and you can um, find a tab that said team leader. You go on to the team leader and you go all the way down until whatever uh, province you're in. And then you go to what city you're in and it'll give you the direct line to the um, team leader like myself and they can set you up. Now, currently we're not doing anything, so we're not taking any dogs or anything, but you can always touch base with the team leaders and put you on a waiting list. We have a waiting list because our program is so popular. I really want to thank you for coming on and it's such a wonderful story and it's really nice to have some good news in the middle of COVID. Can I just say one last thing? Our dogs come in all sizes and shapes and they have one thing in common. They love their job and they always look forward to putting on their uniform to brighten somebody's day. As a handler, we get to hold the leash while these guys do their magic. <laughs>